Hey Tribe, Now Alchemy is a global pioneer of Ormus Gold and all natural absorption enhancement technologies. Archer Love founded Now Alchemy out of the passion to bring forth health products that you can truly trust. Today, Now Alchemy is the leading in the world's youth regenerating, anxiety relieving, conscious expanding remedies for everything the body needs. Some of the things I love most about Now Alchemy is not only do they utilize the abundant principles in sourcing from only the highest quality and most ethically farmed ingredients on the planet, but Archer Love makes these elixirs himself, infusing crystals and esophageal frequencies into each batch to raise their vibration in his sacred laboratory while keeping costs low and affordable. I have personally benefited so much from their Ormus and all of the elixirs that I love are the mushroom elixirs for the brain power and the shilaji elixir for focus and stamina. I use it all the time and I love it. I stand behind the integrity of Now Alchemy wholeheartedly and highly recommend all of their elixirs. Use discount code SHAMAN for 11% off your purchase. Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek, a sixth generation shaman and best-selling author of Spirit Hacking, bridges the gap between science and spirituality and brings us back to our roots. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders, to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. The time has come to end codependency and put the power back into people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. I love you. And if anyone hasn't told you they love you, let me be the first because I love you. 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 And that's a lot of love. So you can see I'm a giant love ball, just loving you all. And I'm a part of that too, because I'm loving myself as well. And it's, you know, love is not something that you just give and you leave it. Love is something that expands and grows. I always think this is really interesting when someone goes, I love you. And then something I do and upsets them. And then it's like, now I don't love you anymore. How can you retract love? You just leave the love where it's at. Like, don't touch it. Leave it alone. Get your hands off of that love you gave me. Get off of the love. Get, wait, get what? Get your hand. No, move your hands off of the love that you gave me five years ago. You dropped it with me. You left it with me. It doesn't belong to you anymore. If you want access to it, it's only to expand it. But get your hands off of it. I don't know why people have this idea that they can just give someone love and then someone does something and then they take it away as if it's like this love return. Like, I don't know, but last time I checked, you can't return love. Like, you can't just take it and after you gave it to someone. Like, you gave it to them, you leave it there. And they get to experience that love that you gave them. And if you want to give them more, you can just enhance the love that you already gave them. But you can't just take it. Like some thief in the night that sneaks in, like... I don't know if that's really a thief song, Derek. I would say that's more like the Pink Panther. Anyway, the point I'm making is this. Look, keep the love where it is. 
if you feel upset with the person, then you're upset. And then let that be separate from the love that you gave them. Because everyone on this planet is growing, peeps. And at the end of the day, and including myself, we're not perfect. Perfection is not what you think it is. Perfection literally is a roller coaster of nightmares. Because the idea of reaching perfection, you will only know when you have perfection when you have something to measure it up with. And most of the things that you're measuring it up with are based on a whole bunch of different circumstances that have nothing to do with the fact that you are measuring it up to what you're measuring it up to, which means it makes no sense completely to even do that because it's not logical, nor is it necessary for your evolution so the consciousness of measuring anything up to anything to find the key to perfection is literally a roundy round loop of a nightmare it's a it's a nightmare it's like literally being in a nightmare like someone threw you in the in the wash cycle and in the dryer and left you there and you're just spinning around and around and around and around heating up and heating up and not really knowing when you're going to get off because you never got perfection because there's no such thing You see, true perfection, and I've said it a thousand times, and I'm just going to say it again, just in case you never got it, is being happy. Happy, content, and free. So the key element here is to be happy and to be content and free. Now, content means like you're good with it, right? It means you're good. And if you're good, that means you can let it go. It means you're in the let go, be in the flow mode. You understand? So when you're you know riding the wave of life it's always important to remember that everything that shows up is an opportunity for you to lean into it now if we lean into it with love it's great but sometimes we have to take measures where we don't lean into it with love um not completely with love but lean it with love and power not take away the love leave the love where it's at like i said and just add an element of power and add an element of wisdom wisdom meaning the knowledge of why you're doing what you're doing is to make things open and freer and move things and clear things and so forth and the power is like I'm not going to put up with your shit no more, right? Because your snot ain't doing it for me, right? So the idea is that we don't step into this place of like, I'm going to be angry and rage at you and get crazy. It's just like, look, I'm going to step forth with love and power. This is what you're doing is not okay. It's not serving the highest place of love. We should all be happy on this planet. And you are drawing a lot of unhappiness for whatever reason. And I'm not here to figure it out because I don't want to be your psychologist. And I don't want to be the person who's like trying to analyze you because I have so many other things to do in my life. So let me just deal with this and that's it. But let's not make it this draw drama for myself. Like you can be in love and power and still be able to walk in a field of flowers and be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. So the thing is, it's about taking the emphasis and all these intensities off of the things that you're doing and lighten up and make it easy. Now, if you're new to the podcast, I'm going to say a word to you that a lot of the tribal members know, and it's ease and grace is the pace. And trust me, I'm always looking at this and going, yes, I need to take my words and use them for myself as well. Because like I said, I'm not perfect. So sometimes I catch myself and I'm like, I got to take my wisdom now and throw it in the queue. Ease and grace is the pace. Yes, 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 yes. Because the key element here is to enjoy your life, not to fight through your life. Enjoy your life. 
If you feel on some level of your being that someone has wronged you or any of these things, you need to look in yourself and see where you're wronging yourself inside, meaning you need to look at why you're actually creating the whole thing to begin with, right? Yeah, yeah, it's about that time to go inside and look, you know, a lot of people don't want to look, but it's about that time because things aren't getting, you know, um, easier for you if you don't. It's like if you want the ease and graces to pace, then you got to give face to you. That means you got to show up and make space so you can see your face. Make space. Hmm. I like that one to see your face. Ease and grace is the pace to give you the space to see your face so that you can come to a place of love with yourself. Isn't that wonderful? I think so. So key element here is what? Be gentle. Be gentle in all your processes, no matter what they are, no matter how they're showing up, no matter what they feel like, and no matter how they see to be for you. Like how things seem to be for you is how they seem to be, but it's only based on that because of how you're choosing to be with it. Like be gentle and you will experience gentle. Be gentle, be kind, be loving, and always stay in that place even when people are acting out of character. Like when people are just like, you're just like standing there and you just, you know, just hold space for them. Because whatever they're doing is not really towards you. It's towards themselves. It's their own personal, what people would call demons. I would call your own personal sketchers. And you're having a dance. You know when they say, have you ever danced with the devil on a pale moonlight? I ask that question of all my friends. If you can guess the movie. Did you get it? Did you guess it? It's Batman. I love taking things and making them into other things. Anyway, dancing with the devil in the pale moonlight is a must. You must learn to dance with the devil. You must learn to dance with the devil. You need to know tango, salsa, merengue, cha-cha. Um, what else is there? Ballroom dancing, waltz. I mean, every way you can. So you can outsmart darkness and the sketchers from getting and trying to corrupt your brain with a bunch of information that is not necessarily supporting you and you living a long, beautiful, happy, fulfilled and expanded life. If you want to live a happy, fulfilled, expanded life, chances are in order to get there, you need to learn how to dance with the devil on the pale moonlight that way you know how to cha-cha you know how to tango you know how to salsa you know how to merengue you know how to throw a little bit of waltz in there and a little bit of all the swing dancing you could imagine because that means that you can flow with all things that are thrown at you from the underworld spirits the sketchers the ones that i talk about in spirit hacking you know the ones that get in your head and tell you like you're fat you're ugly you're stupid you're dumb no one believes in you no one likes you they're gonna hurt you they're gonna destroy you you know and then again 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 they are not liking you uh, they make fun of you this and that and the other i mean the list goes on and whatever they tell you is all bullshit why because they're telling you that to get a rise out of you so that you will turn your beautiful 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 wonderful amazing magnificent divine light source energy which is the light intelligence of your being 
to the dark side by thinking in ways that are not serving love, honoring love, being um, a reverend of love, a sacred being of love, a teacher of love, an ambassador of love, a healer of love, a builder of love, an artist of love, an engineer of love, a cook of love. You understand? Yes. A mother, a father, an uncle, an auntie, a cousin, brother or sister of love. Mm. A steward of love, caretaker of love, a nurse of love, a doctor of love, a mechanic of love. Everything you do goes through love. And when it does, magic happens. Ooh, I love that part. I got a snap for that one. Magic. I think it needs a little couple more snaps. So good. So yummy. So delicious. So real. So needed right now in our evolution. Magic is made when you keep love in attunement. That means what? Embody it. Speak it, think it, feel it, be it, right? Which is the embodiment, which is pretty rock and roll, if you ask me. Because you can be rock and roll with love. So the thing is, when you hold the foundational principles of love and anything that you do, if you cook, if you clean, you know, you clean with love, you know, whatever it may be, like you're a person who's a pilot, you're a pilot of love. You know what I mean? Like if you're a person who's a flight attendant, you're a flight attendant of love. You know, you work at the desk in an office, you know, you're an office worker with love. You know, if you're CEO, you're CEO of love. If we hold that foundation and we rotate that as our truth every single day like meaning like every day we wake up we like know that everything we do is gonna always come to be through love because that is our attention to become intention to make it something that we can mention because it is real and it's here and it's now and it's present and it's felt and it's experienced and it's lived and it's all through love do you know what happens to our world our world becomes a vibration nation no seriously like literally, like the molecules and the structures and energies on earth will literally start to vibrate at a frequency of love that anything that doesn't hold the frequency of love will just come crashing down. It's like the tarot card in the tarot, in the tarot deck. I love it. It's the towers. It's like they would just come flying out of the towers and, and then you get the star card because it's been like this whole new period of change and rebirth, right? And it's like that's literally what we're, what we're achieving here on earth right now and that's what we're all building and creating and that's how wonderful it is. And so when you see these structures come undone, they're not going to come undone like, okay, I'm going to go away now. Thank you. Bye. No, unfortunately not. They're going to come down like this. Yeah, you see, there's this old movie, which I thought was really interesting. It was called The Lost Boys. Granted, I love The Lost Boys. And at that time, I actually thought I wanted to be a vampire until I saw how they actually die and what they ha- and they can't go out in the sunlight. And that kind of sucks because I love the sun. But nonetheless, if I could be... You know, it would have been cool to be like a really cool 80s vampire, you know, but not live in a dirty cave with graffiti and stuff like that. And like that would suck. And then take kids from like the amusement park of um, Santa Cruz. That would really suck. So uh, most cases are I don't want to be a vampire, but the coolness of it is, you know, it's, it's, it's worth having. So anyway, <laughs> the point I'm making is, is that the way when the vampires were finally destroyed by 
the lovely Corey Haim. And, you know, some of them would explode, some of them would like scream, and some of them would go peacefully and turn into dust. You know, and that's kind of what happened right now on the planet. It's like you have all these people who are going through a paradigm shift and they're just screaming and yelling and fighting and roaring and, you know, whatever it takes, they're having it. And some of them are just being quiet and shifting quietly. The thing is, don't react when they go screaming and yelling and fighting and blah, blah, blah. Just literally look at them and go, oh, look, the light is prevailing because look at how many people are getting upset and how many people feel like they have to like be annoyed and agitated and whatever because they're like freaking out because the paradigm is changing. And there's nothing you can do about it. Look, evolution is real, peeps. And just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. And either you get on board of the lit train and you ride that evolutionary train to the highest level of joy, happiness, success, freedom, opulence, and um, abundance, prosperity, and freedom. Let freedom ring from the skies to the sky. Let freedom ring. Let freedom ring. I made it my own little song of freedom. But the point I'm making is when you're riding the lit train, I mean, you are in freedom nation. You are surrounded by every single person from all over the world who are riding the lit train who are like, I'm not a part of this craziness, but I don't mind watching, seeing the paradigm shift. People will scream and yell and say all kinds of crazy things. And you just make space for them because you know the paradigm is happening and they're falling from the towers. You just need to pick up a tarot card of the old writer's deck and pick up the tower card and you'll see what I mean. That's what's happening right now. It's the big shake it up to wake it up, y'all. I've been waiting for a long time to see these changes happening. It's so beautiful to see that times are changing. Times are changing. Times are changing. Times are changing for the better. Times are changing. Write the letter. Times are changing. Times are changing. Times are changing for you. Times are changing for me. I'm just happy to be on that lit, lit train. I'm so happy to be on the lit, lit train. Times are changing, everyone. And uh, that's the reality. So you need to learn how to be able to be fluid and flexible and be able to bend and move and all these kind of things. Like literally, you need to become like the master of like like when i when we think of like yoga and we think of like all that stuff like you need to be the yoga of evolution right the evolutionary yogi oh evolution yogi step up why because to be an evolutionary yogi means that you're able to bend and be flexible with the things that are happening on our planet that means you're able to deal with whatever comes our way, no matter what. You're not like hiding and shivering in the closet and scared and hiding under the bed with your feet sticking out. You're not the person who's just like sitting there on the phone talking to all your friends about the horrible things that you see happening and how it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. No, you're literally going like back bend, side twist, hand overhead, all of it. Like literally, you are literally the evolution yogi the evolutionary yogi you gotta tell you that's really really what it takes right now to deal with what's going on on our planet i don't know about the other planets well actually i do but let's just say i don't 
Well, I do, so I can't really say that. But let's just say this one, right? On this planet, it's literally, it's like right now, you have to step into becoming the evolutionary yogi. Yeah. I thought I'd do it again. I thought you might like that. So the point I'm making is being the evolutionary yogi means you're able to bend and do all of these moves to move with the sign of the times. That means you're able to focus your energy in a beautiful place of knowing that you've got the moves and you've got the grooves to handle whatever comes your way. Huh. Now that's magic. The biggest problem that people have is they're stiff. They're stiff and they're holding on and they're trying to keep their old paradigm. And so anyone who comes in their old paradigm is literally a shock to the brain or to the body or both. The thing is, it doesn't matter. We can't go around petting the pooch anymore. I'm sorry, pooch. I used to pet you. I used to pet you a lot to make everyone feel comfortable, but I can't do it anymore because it's not helping me create lit leaders. It's not helping me shake it up to wake it up. It's not helping me to see that people should have a chance to be a leader in this lifetime. I can't keep petting the pooch, walking on eggshells and making everyone feel comfortable so that way they feel safe. I have to take away the security blanket and the safety that never really existed anyway. Bye-bye, pooch. It's been fun. Love you. See you later, pooch. No more petting. Exactly. Because petting the pooch is so dark ages. Walking around on eggshells and making people comfortable so that you can be comfortable is what I say. Get out with that. Get out. No more. Done. Like, done like it's dunos you know like it's done like dunos like completely finished you know what i mean like like it's niente it's nada it's like gone because that mentality is not helping us it's not helping the trees it's not helping the animals and it's definitely not helping you stay young and vibrant and beautiful and powerful and it's definitely not creating new technologies and new things to support our species no, it's not. And it's definitely not getting rid of racism and gossip and, and sexism and all kinds of things you see on our planet that people have issues with. So what if someone wants to date the same person from the same sex? Mind your business. Mind your business. That should be like M-Y-B, you know, like M-Y-B it, okay? Like M-Y-B it, M-Y-B it. And people are like, what is that? That means mind your own business. Mind your business business or could it be you know the understanding of mind your business is literally the key tone for true spiritual transformation like if you just told everyone to mind their business and like you know i think it would be pretty cool like what would happen because of that i mean you're talking like major shift in consciousness that's why I love uh, Casey Musgraves when she's like, mind your biscuits and mind your own gravy. Yeah, it's a really cool song. If you should go check it out, it's called um, um, uh, Life is something, mind your business, life is crazy or something. I don't know. It's in my mind somewhere. I have it in there. It's like, it's in there, you know? 
So the point I'm making is, is really getting into that space of what is it going to take for us on planet Earth to be able to survive? Well, I can tell you the first key to survival is going to be about us learning to have more fun. Now, fun like what fun? Like going to Vegas fun and like putting money into um, a machine or playing the blackjack table. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being a child again. I'm talking about having fun like a kid. Like, like what are the good old glory golden days when you have fun like a kid and you just didn't care about time and you wish you had more time because you were having so much fun. That kind of fun. Like the fun, the fun fun, not the fun fun, but the fun fun fun, not the fun fun, the fun fun fun, not the fun, but the fun fun. Do you understand? Like the fun 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 versus the fun. You understand? So the thing is, is that when you get into that space and you begin to realize like, whoa, am I the fun, fun, fun? Or am I just the fun? Because if I'm the fun, fun, fun versus the fun, life is going to be really interesting. I mean, a true adventure, a true explorer, like an amazing, amazing, amazing adventure that your life is going to have. Not a dull moment ever. And pretty much understanding that Everything you'll be doing will be about expanding your consciousness, expanding your vocabulary, expanding everything for the sake of the evolution of our planet. Because everything you do has a rippling effect, and that rippling effect affects everyone around you, such as your kids, your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your girlfriend, girlfriend, your boyfriend, boyfriend. I don't know if you're polyamorous. It doesn't matter. The point I'm making is it supports everyone, even your dog and your cat and your bird. And if you have a fish, they can feel it too. Everybody is supported, and they're all supported by the understanding and the truth that you are emanating beautiful energy, and therefore everything around you feels it, gets it, understands it, takes it in and begins to emanate it as well. But if you are a walking cesspool of garbage and junk because you are completely utilizing your creative life force intelligence. I thought it would be cool to add that because it is like, you know, it lights up the room like creative life force intelligence. Yeah, that. So that thing, that creative life force intelligence, which is really cool, utilizing it for love, transformation, healing, and all these amazing things that you can do with it, such as being an amazing father, amazing mother, friend, whatever, lover, you got it, you understand it. Don't need to go so much into that. But the point I'm making is, is that that creative life force intelligence is the keystone to create this amazing, transformative configuration on earth that allows us to truly stretch our arms up and take a nice yawn (sighs) and just be happy about it because why because you're living on a planet that has less crime less pain less suffering less people sitting in prison and mind you what really sucks in california is that there's people in prison who were selling weed and now you go everywhere and it's like everyone is selling weed and they're sitting behind bars hey government that's kind of really messed up you understand maybe you would get this cue if one of you work in the government and listen to ancient wisdom you might want to go and um you know, really rethink that and free those people because, uh, yeah, it's just not cool. Like, it doesn't matter if they, like, did a crime when that wasn't around. It, 
it's just not cool that people are sitting there for like 30 years and because they, you know, gave marijuana to someone to chill out or gave it to them because they were sick and you put them behind bars and now everyone is giving marijuana and all they can smell is marijuana coming off the streets and into the prisons. It's not cool that the, you know, that the people who are in the prison, who are the guards, are smoking marijuana all the time and watching them in there for the fact that they probably would have bought it from them too. Anyway, just a little side note. Yeah, so the point I'm making is really getting into the truth of it, right? Is like we would be able to eliminate, not just mitigate, but we'd be able to eliminate a lot of the disturbances on our planet that a lot of people think they can't eliminate because they're bombarded by all the illusion and disillusionment of the things that the Matrix wants you to buy into and get fly into and get into and take you away from so that you can't really see how easy it is to shift a system. The system can be shifted very quickly by each person operating in the space of recognizing how badass they are right super badass amazing intelligence they have to create love joy happiness freedom generosity kindness on planet earth and all the rest of it well there's so much more things you can tap into that can generate more higher levels of love on our planet i don't understand what we're doing because there's life everywhere is saying hey i want more love do you got it do you got it do you got it do you got it and you over there do you got it no i need one i need love i'm looking for love no i'm projecting and saying everybody did things to me so i can get love no i'm over here in the hospital sitting here hoping that people come and visit me because i don't get love unless i'm sick oh no i'm getting love over here by i'm constantly making drama in my life and getting retention that's my form of love but really people do we need it to be that way? Does it have to be so separate and so convoluted? Or can we just simply step into a place of realizing that in order for us to get into that beautiful space of being uh, E-Y, right? E-Y. Are you an E-Y? Are you an evolutionary yogi? Yeah, I am. Brother and sister, so am I. Cool. I like that. That resonates. <laughs> Well, of course it does because you're putting your attention on it. The point I'm making is to be that literally means you have to step into a place where you're not really falling along with what's going on on earth. Think of it as like a story that your grandparents or your family should have never told you when you were a kid or read you. That's kind of what's happening on earth right now. It's kind of like, yeah, I see it, but I don't really need to be in it in order to make the change. The change happens from within. And then from within, from without, and then from without, back into within, and then within, and without, and back within, and within, without, 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 within, without. And that's how change occurs. Because what's within comes out, and then someone near me, it goes in, and it comes out, and in and out, and in and out, and in. Oh, don't get the wrong idea here, okay? Okay? All puns aside. The point I'm making is, it's all about the graces and the beauty that we hold with ourselves, And we do that by recognizing that we gotta flow and have fun. Fun, 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 not fun. Yeah, you understand that? Like fun, fun, fun versus fun. So when's the last time you did something that was fun? Like real fun, 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 not fun. But like fun, 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 not fun. When's the last time you did that? And when's the last time you've actually taken time 
to do something creative like learn a new language or play a musical instrument or you know a lot of things you can do like your life is waiting on you to notice it to take action into it and enjoy it and it's like yeah like i want that like that's awesome and every time you have an awesome moment just be like i want more of that so the spirits hear you so then they go oh cool you like that vacation like yes I want more of that. And they're like, all right, more of that coming up. Do you like that money that you got paid? Yes. I want more of that. Fantastic. More of that coming up. Oh my God, I love that hug. Yes. I want more of that. Well, here you go. It's like that. So my darling, I want you to know I love you. You're amazing. And it's time to ask for a little bit more of that of what you enjoy and brings happiness in your life and makes you feel lit, alive, and well. Bye. Hey, Tribe, we're going to take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors who is Lit Verified. Hey, Tribe. So I am very excited to share um, about this amazing product. The company is called Ned. And and I, I, you know, I know a lot of people are always wondering, like, OK, when I'm sharing lit verified, you know, products. But this product is something very special because, you know, I've been recently getting into CBD, really understanding it and like really doing a lot of research about it. And because of the fact, as you know, I'm about bringing science and spirituality together as I am, a, um, you know, a regular on the TV show, The Doctor and talking a lot about things that are here to help people and make changes in people's lives. I really believe in the ethicalness of this company because, you know, not only because of the fact that they, you know, show all of their research and everything that they're doing and like really open about letting you know where their things are coming from in their company, which is nice because it, it feels safe when you, when a company is so open like that. But also the fact that you know, all of Ned's products are made organic and whole and come from natural ingredients, which is really important, especially when it's dealing with our tribe, because we want things that are natural and we want something that's good for our body, that's cohesive with our body and that is connecting with us. On top of that, you know, I really love the idea that Ned only sources its products from local farms and communities, which is supporting the local farmers and communities. And that's something about really building on our planet that we have to do more of instead of like going to another country in another place and not really knowing what we're getting. And I really believe in that. And, and not only that, but on top of that, Ned energetically infuses all of its products with binarial beats, positive affirmations, and happy vibes. Now, I mean, come on, can you can you can you get any better than that? If you want to check out Ned and try CBD, we have a special offer for the Ancient Wisdom Today audience. Go to www.helloned.com or enter AW Tribe and check out for 25% off your first order plus free shipping. Uh, that's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash AW Tribe to get 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Thank you, Ned. Hey Tribe, so the Tribe wants to hear from you. And I know a lot of you are talented out there in music and poetry and recipes and ideas and just, you know, things that you want to share with the Tribe. You can send that information to info at shamandurek.com and share your gifts with the Tribe. Love you all and stay lit. 
It's time for another tribal member contribution. This episode is featuring Hosanna Littlebird. She's written a song for us called Remember It's Time. And you can find her on Instagram at H-O-S-A-N-N-A-L-I-T-T-L-E-B-I-R-D. Hosanna, Hosanna Littlebird. Go and show her some love if you have an Instagram account and give her a shout out. Here she is. Change. 
Hey Tribe, we're going to take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors who is Lit Verified. Hey Tribe, do you want to learn shamanism? I want you to learn shamanism because I think it's something that you need to have in your life. Shamanism is not about religion. It's about relationship. Relationship to your food, to your body, to yourself, to your community, to your ancestors. Not to mention, it gives you a lot of really cool, powerful tools and hacks that you can shift your life and lift your life in ways that you never imagined. I mean, get rid of the obstacles. So if you want to learn shamanism, I have so much to share with you. Come check it out at theshamanschool.com. That's www.theshamanschool.com. I'm waiting for you, and I'm excited. Let's be our best self. Bye. All right, Tribe. Time to hear from our special guest. Hello, Tribe, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And if anyone hasn't told you that... They love you. Let me be the first. I love you so much. And I'm so honored that we're all on this planet, especially at this time, because we need each other more than ever. And on top of that, each of us has something beautiful and special to bring to earth. And that's why you're so needed. So that's why you have to step into the place of power. No more walking around or tiptoeing around your power, but really just go to that seed of power that's in the center of your nucleus and shine that love forth because that is what it's about right now. We need more love than ever. And speaking about love, I have an amazing brother, amazing colleague, Panash Desai, who is here with us to share all of the things that we need to learn and to bring love and to bring generosity and kindness. He's a best-selling author and thought leader and business life catalyst. He is a passionate presence on the earth who is here to really to resurge us during during this time to give us what we need, the sustenance that we need through the words and wisdom. So I'm so happy that he's here with us. Welcome, Panash. Thank you, my brother. It's such an honor to be with you and to be with all the people that are tuning into this from all over the world. I'm, I'm so honored too. I, uh, my girlfriend had, uh, well, you connected with me and then my girlfriend, I was talking about you one night and she was like, oh, I know him. Yeah, we've met before. <laughs> and I was like, you met him and I didn't get to meet him yet. <laughs> and, and, but, uh, but, you know, I've always, you've always been on my radar at different points when I was traveling and doing stuff in the world. So I'm just just really happy to have you here and to share your wisdom with the tribe. So I honor you. Thank you. You know, I, I feel the same way. You know, I feel our, our coming together is more than just the two of us meeting. I feel like it's almost like it's two ancient lineages coming together and, uh, and sharing. And so I'm just so looking forward to this time with you and deeply honored to have this time with you. I've had the pleasure of watching you as well and, and just seeing the, the, the level of love and just support that you offer human beings. And it just deeply touches my heart. And so, you know, I'm beyond thrilled. To oh, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm such a crybaby. Oh, I love you, darling. Um, okay, so what I wanted to know for the tribe, since they, you know, so they can kind of know more about your story, um, tell me more about your upbringing and how you came to be who you are. Sure. I was, um, for the first five years of my life, I was raised by my grandmother. Uh, we had a meditation center in our home and uh, every day she would pray, she would meditate, she would chant, she would worship, but literally the house was filled with this thick 
smell of temple incense. And um, my my story's a, a pretty interesting one. My my mother, before she had me, had had a stillborn baby girl. So she went to India to be blessed by a Shakti Pakur, uh, who had mashram in Ganeshpuri, India. And uh, so I was blessed three months in the womb. And he told her basically that um, I would be coming back to do this work to facilitate an ascension, to facilitate an awakening. Um, and so she should, you know, expect me not to be like other children. Um, so here I am born into this spiritual family, first five years of my life with my grandmother and brother, I was connected to oneness and born, uh, just aware and awake to a degree that was just overwhelming. Um, for me, there was no separation. Uh, it's like I became whoever I was with. Uh, I could hear their thoughts. I could feel their feelings. I could experience what was going on at their very core. Uh, it's like the facade that they had created um, was what they were presenting to everybody else. But I could feel the essential truth, the vibratory level uh, that they were operating from. And as a child, uh, I began to have experiences of this phenomenon at the age of about five, seven, it began. And uh, uh, we would go see gurus and teachers on the weekends because of the big Indian population in the UK. And uh, you'd wait in line for about three hours and uh, it's a lot of Indians. And uh, eventually you'd get to the front of the line. They'd bop you with some peacock feathers and feed you some prasad, which is some Indian sweets. And uh, you'd go on your way. But every time we would get to the front of the line, they'd always say to me, thank you for incarnating. We've been waiting for you. And I just just thought it was the weirdest thing. I didn't know what to make of it at that age. Um, but people were having experiences around me. Uh, my aunt at the time was uh, dating my Uncle Pavez and, and so she would lie to my grandmother to get out of the house. And uh, she'd say, I'm taking Panache to get some ice cream. And I'd end up in a park somewhere while Auntie Van was with Uncle Pavez. And um, people would just be drawn to come to me. They would sit down next to me and they'd just start telling me their whole life story. And while they're telling me their life story, all of a sudden, they're just going through all of the emotion, the density and the heaviness that they'd accumulated within their lifetime. And they would get up and they'd be sparkly. And I would share this with my mom. I said, mom, you know, people come to me. And they feel really gray, you know, really heavy, you know, but by the time they leave, they're sparkly. And um, so this was my childhood. And subsequently, of course, uh, separation happens. Uh, we, we move away from that state of being. However, I never left that state entirely. And uh, began this journey of trying to fit into the world, trying to live up to other people's expectations, trying to, you know, conform, trying to be normal. Uh, trying to, to to become well adjusted in a in a profoundly um, insane world, <laughs> and uh, subsequently got involved in in music um, at a, at the age of about sixteen. That uh, really saved my life at the point I was bullied and things were going on, and I, and I had gotten to a point where music became my outlet. And in London, we had uh, two sides of the FM dial that we would uh, basically hijack, and uh, we'd set up antennas in one. Um, building in the projects and set up a transmitter in the other building in the projects and have turntables and, and the records in one place. If we get raided, we get to keep our records and not go to jail. And uh, I got involved in the underground music scene. And at that point in London, um, it was drum and bass jungle and house and garage. Um, and uh, all of the best clubs were kind of in the underground after hours clubs. And uh, I would often end up in very dangerous places in order to just be involved in music. And um, one fateful night, I had gone out 
I was uh, having a, a drink uh, while being brown in the wrong bar. And uh, three people took offense to that. And luckily, the bouncers knew who I was, pulled them off of me uh, before I got too awful. And uh, just embarrassed at what had happened. I didn't want to go home. I went out again, ended up in Brixton in South London at an after hours club that I'd been to you know, many times. And uh, before I'd gotten there, uh, there had been a, an altercation and, uh, and a shooting. And then when I'd gotten there, uh, things had again gotten heated and guns were drawn. And uh, the, the Metropolitan Police at this point had created a, a SWAT division just to handle this kind of inner city uh, turmoil that was going on at the time. We don't really have gangs. We had like homeowners associations. And, uh, and I was always on the periphery of it because I was doing music. People loved me. They knew I was studying. So everybody just kept me out of everything. So my sole purpose in being there was to just be involved in this music that I loved, uh, that had really saved my life in my teenage years. And that night uh, was the night that Spirit kind of tapped me on my shoulder and said, all right, you're done. Uh, that, the next morning I woke up, um, I had no desire to go out anymore. Uh, I sat down with my mother and I said, mom, I have to go and live like a monk for six months. I've got to go away. And uh, my mom was expecting this conversation, but not at 21 years old. I was doing a degree that I didn't love. I wanted to study philosophy, but my, my grandfather talked me into doing uh, law and business studies because I'm Indian. Um, and if you're Indian, unless you're a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer at that point, uh, you're not successful. <laughs> and uh, so I went to study philosophy. said, what are you going to do with that? And I, I basically just uh, relented. So I was miserable. I was miserable in every area because I was just caught up in the illusion and duality and the lie. And I just said to my mom, I've got to go away. And she said, okay, uh, where are you going to go? And so there was an ashram, a residential retreat center, upstate New York. And I went there. And I went there because this teacher that had blessed me in the womb had a room in that ashram. And uh, I would just go and sit there. And I would cry. And I would, uh, I would feel my fear. And I would feel my anger. And I would, I would have uh, spontaneous pranakriyas and, and begin to go through this profound transformation. And it's not that I was a great yogi or that I was doing everything properly. I wasn't. It was just me coming home to the safety of that feeling of being in that meditation room that I was in as a child. Um, and of course, in this environment, all my gifts came back, all of my abilities came back. And uh, that presented me with a, another set of challenges, which is being Indian more spiritually gifted. Um, because immediately everybody wants to turn you into a guru. Uh, they want to turn you into, you know, something that they can understand or pigeonhole you in a box uh, that they can right. quantify. And um, and I didn't want anything to do with that. And so this is kind of how the London years kind of unfolded and my journey back into spirituality. It's really beautiful to hear because there is this, you know, this moment of, you know, recognizing when you were young, right, that the divinity consciousness and the the understanding and acceptance of it was already there. And that's the, it's, I think that's like the choice point for you because I felt the same thing as a kid. It's like, okay, you, you have it, you see it, you experience it, you feel the whole of everything. And then you're like, Oh, but wait, now there's this thing called earth and people and rules and regulations and labels and conditions and economic statuses and all these different things that you have now to go into. And it literally begins to blind you, not all the way, but just a little bit. And I love that you actually said that, um, 
in regards to that, because I've seen that with myself and I've seen that with other very powerful leaders um, who are our call, who are in our um, colleague field uh, that they come in with this, this blessed, powerful energy, and then they have to go into this world. And then a, the, the scope of the range of what they see kind of goes a little bit away, but not all away. And then they go into the music world. And they, or they go into something that in that nature, which is about community and connection so they can see that. And then it leads them from this like period of like, you know, sadness, depression, whatever, to finding going back into their spiritual place where they belong. And um, did you feel that contrast uh, that was there um, always, even when you were being thrusted into that, the, 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 the world as we see it, which is, I call it the illogical world that was created out of people's, you know, fear and lack and limitation. Uh, you know, what makes it so, you know, what makes it so convincing brother, what makes it so convincing is everybody else is everyone's doing it. Right. And you're the only one that isn't. Right. You know all, right. So, so all of a sudden it's like, everyone's pretending not to be God. All the while, you know that you are God, that you know that you are of God, that you have all the same gifts, blessings, and anointings as God. But everyone around you has become so normalized in their vibration and frequency. Uh, plus to mention the fact that when you're an empath, you know, you're, you're, you're feeling so much, right? And, and, and the majority of the world, while you're still um, kind of resonating at that feeling level, uh, is in pain. I mean, it's, it's overwhelming. Um, and so it was a, a very challenging time for me personally, because, uh, I found it hard to handle the sensitivity that came along with the gift. You know, I, I've only recently actually just relaxed into it at 41. Um, but it, but it's been a journey for me. Uh, and, and it's been a journey of having the courage to be vulnerable, understanding that, that, that being vulnerable, that, that being who I am, that showing up as the essence of who I am is where the greatest light gets brought forth into the world through everything that I'm doing. Um, and that journey has been a, a very powerful journey. And, and there's been a myriad of different experiences that I've gone through that have allowed me to get to that point. But, you know, in a world where you're in oneness and you know who you are, um, the confusing element is that everybody else is pretending to not be God. <laughs> you know, to, to not be magnificent, <laughs> you know, to, to not be blessed. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. And then what, what, what people will do is they'll, they'll want to project onto you and put you up on a pedestal and then hold you to these very high ideals. So that when you make one mistake, then they say, you're not who you say you are, you know, instead of them like realizing that I'm just here to be a reflection of what is possible in you and really get into that, into that space. I think it's brilliant. And I, you know, I went to London in, um, in the nineties, and I used to go to all the underground parties and like, you know, uh, it was like drum and bass and yeah, it was like, you know, that very, um, I think it was called, uh, what was it called? It was something drum and, yeah, it was drum and bass and there was something else, but the music was really more harder in sense. It wasn't like it is today with house music, but it was very hard and rough and like, you know, and it was intense and, you know, but it was beautiful. I spent a lot of time in Brixton and I love, I love the Brixton community. Um, cause they were real, but it, yeah, there was a lot of craziness at that time. Um, and so, 
I wanted to ask you in regards to, because I remember being in London and I remember a lot of my friends who were Indian and who were not the typical, you know, white, um, Amer- um, sorry, that white, you know, uh, not American, the white way of looking at the British culture, like white British person, uh, we're constantly getting um, a lot of problems, you know, directed at them. There's a lot of racism. Yeah, so so the British uh, school system and, and and being a byproduct of the Commonwealth, you're you're programmed into believing that you're an ethnic minority, even though you're part of a community that spans 1.5 billion people worldwide. <laughs> you, you're and and you're you're programmed to believe that you are a minority, and you're programmed to believe that your culture of origin is in some way deficient, and that the the uh, the culture that you are in is superior. And so there is this kind of tension internally between, okay, am I Indian um, or am I, you know, English? And I personally uh, didn't fit in anywhere. So I, I was just, I mean, basically just the kind of floating around in, in, in high school and, and, and through my, my teenage years. Um, obviously, I was Indian, but, you know, my mother went to work. She didn't sit at home and watch Bollywood movies all day long. You know, so, so I didn't have that cultural context that a lot of uh, the other Indian kids did. And actually, I had more of an issue with other Indian kids and Pakistani kids than I ever did with my uh, friends who were from the islands or my Irish friends or my white friends. I, you know, so I kind of had acclimated um, and had been able to kind of traverse all of these worlds. And it, like the joke and all the crazy thing in all of this is that I, would ha- I had friends literally that were, were very well known in London. Some of them were actually racist, uh, never toward me. But for some reason, I would always get this comment. Oh, P, you're not like the rest of them. You know, I love you. You're all right, but you're not like the rest of them, you know, and, and, but, and they would never ever express any kind of a racist sentiment or energy in front of me. You know, I, I guess people just always saw the goodness right. in me and that, and that good. And they would always say to me, you know, you're like a good luck charm. You know, whenever you're with us, nothing bad happens, you know? And so somehow my beingness had transcended the boundaries of race, racial profiling, racial identification, not to say that it doesn't happen. I mean, of course I had that incident, um, but I think that had more to do with jealousy than it did anything else. Uh, And I think that racism was used, of course, as the excuse, but I think people were just uh, jealous of the fact that I was who I was and I, I, I am where I am and was doing what I was doing. And so, you know, th- there was a, a lot of tension at that point in the UK. You're absolutely right. But somehow, by the grace of God, you know, I was able to kind of navigate my way around all of it because I I guess my whole life I'd known that these boxes of conformity were just prisons. Yeah. You know, and I and and so I just spent all of my time dating all of the good looking girls, I think, which is why I became a target more than anything else. It's just like I wasn't the part of a clique. Uh, I was peaceful. I wasn't really very violent. I learned to match people's energy. This is how I survived in East London. Um, I learned that if I could match their energy and their intensity, they would back down, right? Very rarely would it have to come to any kind of a physical anything, right? So I learned very on that if I could match the energy and the frequency of the person that's in front of me, I would be fine. Um, so, you know, uh, a crazy time. Yes, very racially charged. Um, however, I had a harder time with the Indian and Pakistani kids than I did with the, with the 
with the English kids or, you know, or the kids from my friends from the art, from Jamaica, St. Kitts, right. anywhere else. Do you feel that like where we are today in our cultural differences and how people are continuing to still treat one another, you know, um, is that there's, what do you feel is, you know, missing from our ability to pull ourselves together and unify ourselves and respect each other's cultures and differences in the ways that we observe God from a loving and accepting place versus, uh, I find you threatening. So I'm going to like either, you know, attack you or turn back on you or put you in a box. What do you think is causing all of that? I think the biggest issue that we have in the Western world is a sense of ownership. Um, and I'll explain what I mean by that. So, you know, we, we have this sense of, you know, this is my country, you know, this is my culture, this is, you know, my heritage, you know, this is my race, this is my gender, this is my choice of sexual preference. And you know, bro, all we've forgotten is that we're a light body. That's all it is. Like once everyone remembers that they're a light body, but, you know, they have a mind, but they're not their mind. You know, they, they have a physical body, but the body's on consignment. Yeah. You know, like they, they have feelings, but they're not their feelings. You know, they were born into a certain culture or born into a certain narrative or story, but they're not that story. I think once we get to this point of mass awakening, people are going to remember that who they really are is the light body. Who they really are is pure awareness, pure being and pure potential. And once that happens... Uh, we're going to see less of a, this sense of ownership over things, uh, less of a personalization of things. Uh, we're going to realize that we're the custodians of this planet, that we are the, the caretakers of one another, uh, and that these boundaries of nation states, religious backgrounds, um, belief systems, uh, educational systems are all just, are all just basically um, forms of programming and layers of limitation that have been superimposed over the truth of who we are, which is the essential self. And so, you know, you know this better than most people alive, you know, in every ancient wisdom tradition and culture, you know, the, the true source of healing or abundance or whatever it is that we want, you know, that we feel is missing in the manifest world is the remembrance yes. of oneness, you know? And, and so I feel like more and more uh, cultural boundaries are blending uh, national boundaries are blending. Uh, religion is blending and morphing. It, it's like everything that once used to be rigid and solid and fixed is now dissolving. And we're, and we're kind of experiencing this uh, blending of, of life, blending of ideas, blending of races, blending of cultures. Uh, and it's the best thing that could ever happen because within a few generations from now, we're just going to realize that this is about love and all of the rest of it just doesn't matter. Beautifully said, brother. Do you feel that the the dip in consciousness for humanity is because they're not able to see themselves? Is that one of the reasons why you wrote uh, the book, You Are Enough? What was the thing that actually motivated you to create such an amazing and powerful book? So uh, about five years ago, my daughter Celeste was born with a congenital heart defect. So Oprah happened in February of 2013. My first book came out in April of 2014. And around uh, August or September of 2014, uh, we received a phone call from the, from the hospital. We, we knew that we were pregnant and uh, they had received an irregularity in the ultrasound uh, with our, our, our twins that we were pregnant with at the time, Celeste and Leonardo. 
And uh, subsequently, we were told that uh, Celeste uh, had a con complex congenital heart defect and she wasn't going to make it through the pregnancy. And this, I mean, as you can imagine, we went from this peak pinnacle experience um, being kind of set up to, to kind of take over from, from my brothers and sisters who, you know, are, are 20 or 30 years older than me and, and being kind of positioned into that place to all of a sudden having this event occur. And for the first 18, so Celeste uh, did make it through her pregnancy for the first, within a few hours of her life, she had a first open heart procedure. Uh, within the first 18 months of her life, she had had four more open heart procedures and a heart transplant. And there was one moment uh, in the midst of it, and I'll never forget it, where uh, my wife was suffering because my wife's biggest fear was losing a child. My mother was suffering because my mother had lost what would have been my older sister before she had me. I was still traveling and teaching and doing everything, supporting a global community while navigating my own feelings around mm. what was unfolding. And and I and I got to a point, bro, where I went down to the chapel in the in the hospital and I just fell to my knees and I just said, Listen, I get it. Like I'm willing to accept whatever it is that you want for her, even if that means that she dies. The powerlessness that I felt in that moment was so overwhelming. And in that moment of authentic surrender. The, the, the empowerment, the truth, the, the blessing of this book and this message came into being. Because you know what? Honestly, crisis didn't care who I was. Crisis didn't care that, that, I, had, that I had this gift that I was helping people. Crisis didn't care that you know, I, had, I had met people from all over the world who, who were known and, and who were making a difference. Like Crisis didn't care that I was successful. Crisis didn't care about any of that. The, the, the suffering was unfolding to the degree to which I needed to be humbled so that I could trust and surrender completely. And for me, that final piece of trust and surrender was being willing to hand over my child to God. Wow. And when I did, and when I did, uh, the peace that I had always known filled my heart again. And, and, and as a result of her journey, this book came into being because I realized that we're in this collective hypnosis, right? That that basically from the moment we're, we're in the school system, you know, we're conditioned to become units of production, right? When we're conditioned to be units of production, why? Because then we become units of consumption. The only thing is, it's it's a trap. You can't get out of it. The more you produce, the higher the level of consumption. So there's no, there's no end to it uh, until something happens and you wake up. And you realize that you're not all of these labels. You're, you're, not, you're not all of these things that the people have superimposed over the love that you are. You know, you're not, you're not the role. You know, you're not all of these things. You know, the, who you are at the most foundational level is enough. And this experience for me became, um, I always say that, you know, my, my daughter's heart defect helped me correct my own <laughs> and, and helped me reprioritize what was important helped me get in touch with who, you know, what else there was that I had to get in touch with inside of me, you know, to be able to relax into to, to, to the space that I'm in now. And to realize that there's one common thing that's tripping everybody up. And it's just this feeling of not being right. Up. You know, it's this feeling, it's, it's driving people to create billion dollar companies. It's driving people to, to, to bounce from one relationship to another relationship. It's fueling addiction. Uh, it, it, it's, it's the source of everything. 
you know, that, that, that we're struggling with. It's the root cause of human suffering is this false notion that in some way, shape or form, we as we are, as God created us to be, are not enough. And, uh, and that's why I wrote the book, because I was able to finally strip away everything in my life to the point where I was able to realize and own that I was. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you a question about that because I, everything you said was so powerful and, and like, and really thought provoking, but I wanted to ask you, um, based on what you just said, because would you, would you feel, I mean, and I'm just going to share this with you because this is the thought that comes through my mind that I felt since I was young that, you know, where can we come to this earth and we're indoctrinated. A lot of people are indoctrinated in religion and the idea that God thinks like a human being and gets angry and gets upset and can punish you. And, you know, and then we have the very uh, same mentality with Christmas, with Santa Claus rewarding the good and then punishing the bad with a lump of coal or the idea that like, if we don't do what our parents want us to do, we don't get love. We get ostracized. We get ignored. We don't get presents. We don't get gifts. We don't get attention. We don't get that love, right? And so the idea that human beings are operating on this kind of like either or, you know, or either or kind of way, you know, with the idea of I'm not enough from the perspective of, I mean, how can I be enough if what I'm doing and everything I do has to go with what someone else says is right for me versus what's right for me? Do you feel like the whole context of human suffering is because human beings don't believe, don't understand why they're on this planet and why they have to follow rules that they don't really want to follow and that the that the understanding of that has caused them to feel like, you know, I'm not enough because I have, in order to be loved, I have to meet someone else's standards. Absolutely. You know, we're looking for love from people that don't love themselves. You know, we're looking for, for acceptance from people who don't accept themselves. And this to me was cemented and experienced on head of the divine in about 2002 and 2003, because you know, being Indian, I was very skeptical. And I, I was told I was here to be a messenger. And I, I've always been a very reluctant messenger. And I said, okay, God, if you exist, show me who or what you are. Because in, until I've experienced who or what you are, I'm not going to look at somebody who's just lost a child and tell them that there's some love or perfection in this. Like, I'm not going right. to be that person. And so I went through this profound kind of experience. And the, the short version is that there was a moment where everything just disappeared into this brilliant light. I mean, it's just like this infinite ocean of golden light, but it was like the most brilliantly golden light that it almost appeared as a white light. And the feeling associated with this was love, but beyond the human word love. And I was shown that this is who we are, that, that this is what God is, that, that God is this infinite presence of light that vibrates at this resonance that is beyond love, beyond anything that we can name in words. And that this is the truth of who we are. So how we reorient to being enough is by pivoting back to the soul, is by, is by recognizing that no matter how much we try and live up to the ideals and expectations of others, the best that we can do is suffer. But the very second we finally have the courage to start living our lives from the inside out instead of from the outside in, all of a sudden in reversing the polarity of our experience, 
we begin to then settle into the authentic core of who we are that always resided underneath all of that stuff that was superimposed over us. And we begin to be able to emanate that out into the world. And so you're absolutely right. You know, my suffering was was happening because I was trying to make everyone else happy. You know, my, my, my suffering was happening because I was born into a world that was hell-bent on turning me into a unit of production mm-hmm. and consumption instead of allowing me to be as nature intended me to be. You know, so, so for me, the shift is going from normal to being natural again. You know, I, I, I'm happy to say that at 41 years old, I'm natural again. And, and the funny thing is, the more natural I become, the simpler I become internally and in my life, the more peace mm-hmm. I have. And that peace is the experience of my divinity. It is the experience of my enlightened consciousness. And there is nothing that I will trade for that peace because it is everything. It is everything. Absolutely. I even said, I even said that in um, something I said once to people, which is uh, it was a choice point in my life where it was me either choosing to go with what my father wanted or for me to, to say that I wasn't going to get his love and I chose myself. And I think that's a very challenging point for people because, you know, we're so much, I mean, if you look at social media today, I mean, what do you see? You see hearts and like, and, you know, everybody wants to grade you these days about if you're lovable or if you're likable, or if you're even worth paying attention to. It's a very tricky and a slippery slope for a lot of people because the moment that someone doesn't like them, they immediately start stop liking themselves. So I really think your book is so timely right now because, you know, in, in shamanism, we say this is the, we're coming out of the age of narcissism, but narciss, but the narcissism is also reflective of us paying attention to ourselves and our actions and the way in which we're, we're, we're operating. And so narcissism can have two sides. It can be narcissism to the point where you lose yourself are actually narcissism to the point where you find yourself and you realize, oh, look, every single day, what am I doing? I'm focusing on all these things that really don't have any real value for me other than spending time with the people that I love and connecting with them. Okay. So like getting to that point, um, you know, in for us an evolution with everything that's happening with the coronavirus right now, what are your thoughts on that? So for me, um, I have stood clear of the origin of the virus and I'm focusing more on the impact of the virus and the blessing of the virus. And uh, I personally um, am grateful. Uh, I'm grateful because um, as we're speaking in this moment, um, my wife uh, is at home teaching kindergarten first grade. Uh, My children are spending time with their mother uh, in a way that they ordinarily wouldn't because uh, they're home from school. And uh, and I'm grateful because we are being asked to prioritize love and our family and what's important over material things and, and uh, external ambitions and goals. You know, anyone who had a vision board for this year can just throw it out of the window. You know, and anyone who had ever set a goal for this year can just throw it out of the window. Because literally... It's like God's put us all in a giant timeout and said, okay, uh, let's take a look at your life and let's see what's real. And let's see the work that you've done. And let's see how peacefully you're able to pass through this time. Because I don't know how you feel about this, brother, but I feel like we're just at the beginning of a decade. 
I feel like this is a decade within which harmony and balance has to be restored within humanity because we're the only species that sound a whack. You know, cows don't go to self-help seminars. You know, squirrels don't go to abundance workshops. Like everything in nature knows what's going on, right? So humanity is being humbled. And so the, the virus in and of itself, for me, has been two separate things. There's the actual virus itself, and then there's the energy of the virus. And so by all means, we have to stay home. We have to advocate on behalf of those that have compromised immune systems. We have to follow basic protocols when you know coming into our home to make sure that we are you know, sanitizing and washing our hands and doing all of those things. But at the same time, we as a global spiritual community have um, a mandate to advocate on behalf of calm right now, on behalf of those who don't have that capacity. I firmly believe that we've been prepared for this time. I firmly believe that we've gone through every modification and adjustment that we've had to go through in our lives to be able to pass through this time peacefully. And so this is where the rubber meets the road. You know, right now there are couples that are spending time together that never spend time together outside of their obligatory once a year vacation, you know, and, and there's no sports on television. There's no distractions. I mean, this is a time of reckoning and revelation and emergence. And so I have felt optimism. I've felt joy. I've loved the Italians singing on their balconies. And and, they're, and and dancing and making the most of this communal time together. I've loved that the family unit has been brought back together. I love that we're advocating on behalf of each other. And the most important thing of all, I love that our world leaders are being humbled right now. I love that we're seeing that nothing happens in isolation and that we cannot continue down this path of this you know, patriotic nationalism at the exclusion of what's happening in the rest of the world. Because the truth is, a virus, a virus did what nothing else has done before. A virus, nature, right? Whatever the origin of this thing is, it doesn't matter. We are being brought together. We're seeing that things don't happen in isolation. And I feel like this is just the beginning because this is the dawning of the remembrance that we are a light body. This is the dawning of the remembrance that we are one family, one soul family, and that we are this infinite ocean of energy experiencing itself as the drop. And, and uh, I'm grateful. And I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm holding meditations every day. I've cleared my calendar to support people in every way that I can. Um, I saw this coming about two months ago and uh, was just waiting for it to, to become uh, what it has become before I pulled the kids out of school and, and made the changes that I had to make. Yeah, I agree. You know, uh, we, at Jamanism, we have this thing that to be grateful is to be grateful for the things that were the most uncomfortable. And, you know, like, so for instance, like, you know, me being going through abuse as a child or being molested or any of these things, I'm grateful for those experiences because it, once I'm grateful for it, then spirit reveals to me the greater, bigger um, service from it you know like i always say like the greatest gift from god is to be of service and um and so i really feel the same what you're saying is that you know i've told people about this moment for a very long time when i when it came above all these friends of mine you know were like oh my god 
you mentioned this and I said, yes, but you know, this isn't about being fearful. This is about, this is about reconnecting and reestablishing and rebooting and regenerating and resurfacing a, a different global community that's available to the resource that they all have already in them that's already been prepared for them to step into this time. So I think you've said it in such an eloquent way, brother. Oh, I love you. You're amazing. Oh, You're so amazing. You, <laughs> I get, get so excited. So, you know, um, what was I going to say? Uh, you outlined f- uh, five commitments for your readers that will help guide them towards authenticity. Mm-hmm. What are they? Why do you choose to call them commitments? I, I think that in life, um, we, we're, we're able to reveal what we commit to. Uh, what, what we have is a, a lack of focus. And, and the reason why this is important is because when we, when we create a commitment, we are putting the full power of our awareness and intentionality behind it. You know, it's not just, uh, you know, it's not just something that you would like to do. It's something that you are bringing the fullness of your being to. And so uh, the first commitment is to, of course, knowing your essential self. You know, we, we have to take the time to commit to knowing who we really are beyond what we've been told, beyond our material possessions, beyond everything that's impermanent. You know, to remember ourselves as that light body, as that luminous presence on this earth. Um, the second commitment is to a new past, present and future. What I've discovered in working with people from all over the world is that people are trying to fix a memory of themselves. Uh, most people aren't even related to who they are in the moment. You know, they're, they're still stuck in this memory and, and memory constitutes heightened emotion. And so part of the work that I engage in with people is helping them resolve all of that heightened emotion so that they can be fully anchored in the present. And so when we take the time to clean up those samskaras, those imprints and those uh, impressions, all of a sudden we begin to be freed of the distortions in our perception and we begin to see the truth that all of this is about love. And so it's important to commit to a new past, present, and future. Um, then, my favorite one, commit to inner peace. <laughs> you know, we have valued everything in the world above peace. And the funny thing is that, you know, and you know this all too well, like I've had the pleasure of meeting people from all over the world who have, who have attained success that's beyond your wildest imagination, but they don't have any peace. And because they don't have any peace, they're not actually able to enjoy a single moment of it. They're not able to relax into it. And so if you start from peace, you'll finish with peace. You know, so it's important that you begin with this foundational experience of peace and recognize that when you are at peace with yourself, you are experiencing yourself authentically, that everything else that you are experiencing is not you, right? It's coming from outside of you. Right? It's a vibratory signature or a feeling that has an emanation point from outside of you. Uh, the fourth uh, commitment is to fulfillment. I want to be fulfilled. I want to feel the fullness of spirit. I want to feel the fullness of the attributes and qualities of spirit in every moment. That is the richness of life. I, I, I really feel like that's why we come here as human beings. You know, we, we, we leave this sovereign place of infinite potential. We descend down into this world with all of this unconscious content, density and matter as an act of compassion to wake up in the midst of it 
to find our fulfillment in the midst of it. And so for me, uh, it's important that we commit to fulfillment, and that's number four. And then the fifth commitment is to uh, infinite possibilities. What I've discovered is that there are only two real signs of awakening. The first is that you become less reactive, and the first is that you experience, uh, second is that you experience heightened synchronicity. And so when I'm peaceful, I am experiencing possibility. I'm experiencing potentials that I cannot experience while I am living in a state of dissonance or discord with life. And so I have to recognize that my internal state is determining my entry point, my access point to, the, to, to my vibratory frequency and resonance, and then subsequently my experience that is born of that vibratory resonance and frequency. Because this is all energy. It's, it's all just a play of consciousness. It's all frequencies. It's all it is. And so committing to unlimited possibilities is also a wonderful thing because we realize that we're only as limited as we allow ourselves to be, you know, that we're doing it to ourselves. Because, and, and the end result of these five commitments is that we remember the oneness. Because in oneness, we, we realize that life is happening as we are. You know, when we're still a victim, it's happening to us. When we're empowered, it's happening for us. But in oneness, everything is you. You're only ever looking in the mirror. Everybody is showing you a part of yourself that needs to be gathered up, that needs to be loved, that needs to be held in your heart, that needs to be nurtured. And when you understand this about life, you understand that you're living in this Maya, this simulation, whatever you want to call it, and that you're only interfacing with yourself. That's when your evolution quickens. That's when your journey accelerates. And that's when God reveals itself in its fullness through every form. Ah. Oh. Let's take a pause just to take a deep inhalation and exhale. That was so good. Such nourishment from your words to the soul, to the plants, to the animals, to everything. It's really warming me up. It's so, it's so wonderful to hear and um, so needed right now. I know everyone who's listening all over the world right now is just feeling that, that reason to just take that breath and, and just feel that, that beautiful warmth and that energy and that fire. Um, so my love, I'm wondering, you know, what message would you give to people struggling to find happiness and fulfillment in their lives at this time of uncertainty? Uh, you're not broken. You don't need healing and you don't need fixing. And God wasn't having a bad day when you were made. <laughs> and at some point you have to, <laughs> and at some point you have to recognize that you have been designed perfectly by the same infinite intelligence right now that's unfolding our universe out further and further into infinity. So at some point we have to finally relax into accepting who we are, embracing who we are, loving who we are, because it is through the accepting of ourselves, the embracing of ourselves and the loving of ourselves that this greater truth that we're talking about and that we're pointing people to is revealed and that you have the capacity to do that. So please end your resistance to your thoughts, end your resistance to your beliefs, end your resistance to your body, end your resistance to your race, to your nationality, to your religion, to your choice of sexual preference, end your resistance to it all. 
because in accepting it all and embracing it all, you can then begin to love it all. And then you'll be able to love beyond that all of creation. At that point, your life becomes the excuse to which God gets to love its creation. And so that is my message to you all. The reason why you are suffering or struggling is because you think that you are meant to be some other way than you are. You know, the, the, the trees don't feel that way. You know, uh, the bamboo doesn't feel that way. You know, the sky doesn't feel that way. Nothing in nature feels that way. Nothing in nature questions the perfection of its design. So please understand that as much as you may never be perfect for anyone else, at some point, my sweet brothers and sisters, you finally have to be good enough for you. Work with who you are. Work with your design. And the divinity that's inside of you will emerge through your humanity and illuminate your life. What a beautiful way to come to the end of our share for today. You are such a blessing. Um, uh, 20 million billion times over. I'm so happy that you are here on Ancient Wisdom today. How can people um, find you, um, you know, to learn from you, to get in touch with you? How, what are the ways that uh, can they connect with you? Uh, the best way is through my website, which is panachdesai.com. So that's P-A-N-A-C-H-E-D-E-S-A-I.com. Uh, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook and all of the usual social media channels, but come to the website and uh, see if you resonate with what's there. Hey Tribe, we're going to take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors who is Lit Verified. Hey Tribe, I want to tell you how life-changing the products of today's podcast sponsor, Blue Box, are. Blue Box offers an advanced lighting filtering eyewear that targets improved sleep and health. Now, I don't know if you know, but sleep is the most important thing you could ever do for yourself. Why? Because it reduces stress, it reduces inflammation, and it allows your brain to be optimized and function. And I truly believe that if you want to have the best start in your life so you can live a lit life, you want to get some good sleep and when you're well when you're well rested our mind and our body performs at its spiritual potential to ensure my body gets the sleep that I need I wear blue blocks and I wear it because I want to optimize my life and I wear it also because I like blocking out those horrible artificial blue lights that are emitted from man-made lighting and devices I mean you know, we don't even realize how much our brain is being activated by these lights. Blue Blocks offers computer glasses with clear lens to combat digital eye strain when working at a computer all day. And also yellow summer glow lens to help combat anxiety, depression, migraines, and low mood during the day. I kid you not, the signature sleep lens improves sleep when worn before bedtime. And if you want to get that sleep so that you can get out in the world and stay lit, stay powerful, and be the lit leader of legacy that you are, you got to have Blue Box sunglasses. The world leading sunglasses, and they offer non-prescription and prescription sunglasses for readers. So this is a really amazing tribe. So I have to say, they're lit verified. 
And the best bit is for every pair of Blue Blocks glasses you buy, Blue Blocks will donate a pair of reading glasses to someone in need in the developing world. By taking care of your own health, well, we get to take care of someone else's health. So to get 15% off, head to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and enter the code A-W-T at the checkout. And Tribe, remember, we want to be our best self. So get Blue Blocks. Everyone should have them. Hello, Tribe. I am so excited that we had the amazing Panache Desai on the share for the podcast of Ancient Wisdom today. It is such an honor and a blessing to have such a beautiful, powerful, such generous, loving soul my beautiful brother, Panaj Desai, who is the writer of the book, You Are Enough. You know, what he was explaining about his journey when he was talking about, you know, how it was for him growing up and what he felt as a child. And, you know, and that when people would come around him, how heavy, you know, they would feel and um, and then how he would leave them sparkling. And I, I like that because I look at life and I think, you know, one of the things that we can benefit the most on in life is to make things better than how we found them, you know? So it's like, you know, we meet someone and however their energy is in our life, when we amplify the love and amplify the consciousness of the technology of light and the words that we can use and the stories that we can tell that by the time that that person leaves us that they are exactly what panache talked about they're left sparkling and that is a beautiful thing because when we start to take in that level of i want to bring sparkle to life right i want to i want to open up life with a beautiful sparkle every day. You know, you go to the beach, you see it a certain way, but there might be trash nearby and you just choose to pick it up because you were there and you found the beach with trash, but when you left the beach, you left it sparkling. This is a beautiful thing, you know, because we have to take from people's lives and the lessons and experiences that they've had and use those experiences to enrich our own lives, to let it be the sweet nectar mm, that touches the tip of our tongue. And it tastes so sweet and so wonderful that we just want another little bit of that sweet nectar mm, so that we can realize that that nectar is the wisdom, it is the honey, it is the sweetness, it is the succulent, it is the it is the the fulfilling nectar of wisdom that is provided when we share stories that enlighten and inspire people as our beautiful brother has with us. And you know the energy that we gain from taking heavy into sparkle is not just the energy that we give to them by creating sparkle, but every time we create a little bit of sparkle, we also get that energy in return. So we're also creating this beautiful sparkling experience for ourselves. And that's why it's so important for us to recognize how to operate in the field of vibration. You know, he was speaking about 
how for him, you know, what it was really about is how, you know, people were showing up and, you know, and realizing that, you know, being and showing up with the essence of who we truly are is the greatest feeling. Walking around in the system was very difficult for him because he could feel everyone denying who they truly are. And it makes you wonder, who are you? I always find that to be a very wonderful way to start a conversation is who are you and to see what people answer in return. It tells you a lot about a person when they speak about who they are because the more they speak about who they are in the most beautiful essences of who they are, it basically shows you that this person is more grounded, more aware, and more available. And that's the type of people you want to have in your life. People who are available. Not available to all your begging calls and needs. That's not what I mean by availability. What I mean is this. Available to be open to the experience of life in its fullness, in all of its beautiful colors and kaleidoscopes and energetic spheres of consciousness and technology that presents itself to them. Being available is not just about awareness. It is about understanding the depths of human interaction and communication that goes far beyond words. It is an essence, an energy, a feeling. When someone is available, you, you know you're safe. You know you're able to express and to expound and to, you know, explore and to go through all these wonderful adventures with them. And you know they're going to be there with you because they're available. There's that energy of knowing who we truly are and not denying it, but also remembering, you know, to add what Panash was saying is that to know who you truly are, but also understand that who you truly are today will be someone completely different tomorrow. And knowing that and knowing who you are at the essence of the core of your being, right? No one can take that away from you. No one can create abandonment feeling in you when you are not abandoning yourself by knowing who you are. And I think that if we begin to acknowledge that from a place of beauty and strength, we step into a higher place of understanding and a deeper awareness of how we are interacting with life and ourself and how ourself is interacting with ourself and with others. And that creates this beautiful energy that allows us to really intermingle in a way that allows things to be brought out of that intermingling to expand and to create more greatness for our species and for the planet and for the animals and for everything. And with everything happening right now, with, you know, coronavirus and everything that we're experiencing with the quarantines and all of that, this is an opportune time for us to truly step into who we are. And if you don't know, and you haven't got a clue, then who do you want to be? And then once you understand who you want to be, then claim it as you are. 
even if you haven't fully embodied the actions of that which you claim to be to become and accept who you are. Remember that the understanding of the drawing doesn't need to be fully understood. Even if it's just a line on the paper, you acknowledge that line as a part of something beautiful and magnificent. And then the rest of the painting comes to be, and then it just becomes this amazing, beautiful masterpiece. This this, um, just absolutely breathtaking, amazing masterpiece. And you already started acknowledging it just with the simple line on the piece of paper. Well, you can take that same way of looking at it and apply it to yourself. Just looking at yourself right now as you are and see this amazing, beautiful art and that it's ever growing and ever expanding. And so therefore, you don't really have to put any other thought onto it that's negative because it is a masterpiece It is already a masterpiece in just what you see right now is just going to grow and become this powerful masterpiece that is beyond words and beyond anything that anyone can explain. It it can't be put in a box or a label and it definitely can't be underlined and put into some kind of understanding because what you are goes beyond human consensus. It goes beyond human thoughts. It goes beyond understanding in itself. Because when you have something that's so magnificent, all you can simply say is it's, 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 it's phenomenal, it's fantastic, it's magnificent, it's mind-blowing, it's, it's everything. But even those words don't describe the expansiveness of creation that is inside of you, that is all around you, that is you. And how you choose to refer to that creation, well, again, who are you? And I love that he that he really outlined that that teaching, you know, that understanding, you know, even dealing with a lot of the energies that we deal with, you know, the biggest issue we have in the Western world is this idea of ownership, he said, we have forgotten that we are a light body once we realize we start to see ourselves as caretakers of this planet and ourselves we begin to recognize this great understanding of what true service is, not ownership. How many times do we think that something belongs to us? Like I could go right now and look at this fan that I have in my room and say, this fan is mine. These oils are mine. These, all this bulletproof stuff I have on my shelf, that's all mine. And these books and these chairs and this, and everything that I see, the tables and the window and everything is mine. And is it really mine? Or is it just stuff that I'm utilizing, borrowing, you know, having the opportunity to have at this time? We associate our identity with ownership. We associate the way in which we deal with relationships with ownership. We even associate our relationship with our observation of creation as ownership. You know, I've heard so many people say, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God, my girlfriend, my this, my car, my house, my, 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 The association of ownership has become a natural part of our human existence. We even think the earth is ours and we think that that 
the houses that we live in are ours and we think everything is ours because we paid for it or because we you know we this is the person I married and this is the person I'm dating and this is the person I'm having intimacy with and it's mine it's mine 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 and when we operate in the mind 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 condition because that's what it is it's a condition it's a type of illness we go into the idea of lack we go into the idea of limitation the idea of the possibility of loss the possibility of someone taking something from us you know there the consciousness of humanity has been governing this ownership that panash decide talked about you know this ownership that we go into this 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 kind of you know really um cyclical way of describing our existence and our life by describing the materials and the things that we possess and own and therefore we take pride in that ownership and we we get upset when other people threaten that ownership or when they don't recognize our ownership or when we don't get what we want and we think we own something but we really don't and a lot of that causes a lot of people to be upset because we have associated everything under that disguise and why I say it's a disguise is because that's exactly what it is I don't own my girlfriend I'm with my girlfriend for whatever time frame I have with her and I'm going to make every moment the best moment it can be but I don't own her I don't own my car. My car is my car for now. It may be someone else's car tomorrow. I don't own it. It may not even be my car tomorrow or anyone else's car. It might end up in the junkyard. Who knows what's going to happen with the car, right? I can say, you know, for myself, the moment I attach myself to the idea of ownership is the moment I attach myself to the idea of loss and the idea of insecurity of feeling inadequate or feeling that I am not able to um you know hold on to these possessions that I want to have ownership of or that I'm threatened by other people coming in and taking what I think is mine instead of realizing that nothing belongs to me nothing belongs to me it's all there for the purpose of use and connection and interaction and being there what whatever that may be for the time that it is but it is not under ownership you know a lot of people have things in their homes that are not going to always be under their ownership it may you know move out of their home or maybe they sell their home and they get rid of certain things and so forth it's not that you don't own anything the only thing you have to be a steward of is yourself and the way in which you bring love and wisdom and kindness and generosity and compassion into the world but it's not an ownership i don't own anyone never in my life do i own anyone or anything all of this is just borrowed from the time that i'm here in this biological spacesuit uh, known as the human body and therefore it gives me this sense of freedom where i don't have to have these fears like someone's going to come and take something from me or something bad is going to happen and i'm going to lose it all lose what lose what the things that i've been attached to because i'd rather be a person who recognizes the gift and bounty that comes in goes out and comes in and goes out and is not this permanent thing that's always going to be there i'm not always going to be here as shaman durick 
I will be here for a season and share my love and my generosity and my teachings and whatever it may be that will help you to stay lifted and shifted. There's a time where I'll leave and say goodbye. But I'm not gone. I'm just in a different form, but not in the biological spacesuit being held by all the electricity and all the energies that, that surge through this body to make it so that I can stay here. My body will cease to longer have that electricity and therefore I will not be able to sustain in this body and I will move back into my internal self. But the point I'm making is this. As long as we continue to operate in ownership um, consciousness, the more fear, more war, more pain, more suffering, more hurt, more death, more decay, more destruction, more degradation, and more unfairness will show up in our world because humans will be acting out of inadequacy, out of fear, out of lack, and out of the idea of loss. And that's not something I think that we need to um, continue on our planet. And I think this is a great time to look at what you think you own. What is it that you feel you own? What is it that you feel you have rights to? For whatever reason you feel it may be, on the soul level, nothing belongs to you. Get that. Nothing belongs to you. If it's in your life, it's borrowed for a time, for a season, and it will leave. Nothing belongs to you. And the more you're comfortable of letting go and realizing that every person, not everyone's going to be here for the duration of our life. Not everyone's going to be here. Maybe we're not going to be here for the duration of our life or whatever that life is. What did they, you know, people talk about, you know, four scores of 20 that were promised in the Bible or promised in different cultures or when, you know, or when, you know, we have to go into a space where, we're going to leave the planet because we're going to pass away and whatever it may be this is body has to return to the earth it's made up of microism and organisms and all types of things that it must return to the earth so the understanding of that is that nothing is permanent and that everything is in flux and everything is moving so trying to hold on to anything in flux is going to just cause you pain it's like one you grabbing one bee and another bee in another hand and trying to grab another bee all controlling all of it from getting away so holding your hands tight and gripping it it's going to sting you either one or two or three or four it's going to sting you and it's going to make you angry and upset that you put yourself in such an innocent position as putting your hands around on this beautiful bee, this beautiful creature, and it stung you. And it's just going to throw you off because you're going to be like, I can't believe I gave so much love to this thing and it just hurt me like this. But that's because you're trying to entrap it. You're not giving it love. If you were giving it love, you wouldn't put it in your hand. You would look at its beauty, look at its essence, see it flying and leave it alone. And if it wants to spend time with you, get close to you, then it will. And that's the same thing with life. And that's the same thing with relationships. And that's the same thing with every aspect of what we deal with on a human level. It's the understanding and the clarity that nothing belongs to you. And through that, you gain wisdom. You know, it's amazing how when we look at, you know, the structures that we've created and how completely non-existent or how they have no power, how it just naturally formates into the most beautiful way in which we can accept it. But at first, we're not willing to really accept it because it doesn't go with like what we had put in motion or what we think things should be or we think how it should happen when we just learn to let go and be surrendering. And the surrendering aspect is important. 
you know, and I think that's a, a key element, you know, focusing on the positive of the virus. And he's talking about that and talking about his gratefulness for a lot of the things during this time because we are focusing on all this love. And in this time, that love can expand like a tsunami, like powerful, more powerful than a tsunami, more powerful than any energy transference and be able to shift that frequency of love into the life of someone who may need that love because they've been coming down on themselves. Maybe they have too many problems and they're overloaded and they put health problems on themselves because they're not lifting the veil of illusion and then all of a sudden this energy comes in and it's your energy and you're halfway across the world and they all of a sudden feel this interesting feeling about that energy that you sent them that you just did naturally and all of that begins to shift and change the dynamic structure of their life and simplify it for them to be able to interact and have conversations that open up that part of the brain that allows you to think in ways you never thought before all because of this the original situation which mind you most people don't realize that the rippling and cause and, um, and effect is real and that the rippling energies are happening all around us all the time and what we need to do is bring all that chaotic wave into symbiosis into a synergetic field that we can start interacting integrating and interrelating to one another on a love heart level versus I need this and I need this from your country and I need to take this oil and I need to do this and that and if you don't give it to me I'm going to blow you up and if you don't do this you're going to do this and all these things and instead of going back into that fragmented viewpoint of reality that was being orchestrated by some of the most uh, media oriented people to carry out that message to get more soldiers, more people involved, engaged, and sent off to fight this you know, war, um, knowing good and well that the consciousness of humanity doesn't, doesn't, doesn't expand by beating and fighting wars. It expands by finding more um, equilibrium, more balance, more harmony, uh, more uh, resonance, ability to communicate things clearly in a way that other people can understand and be able to make changes and be able to take responsibility for things that you have done that is not operating in the highest field of intelligence that represents the intelligent field, which is love, which is which is light, which is the frequency of light, right, that moves um, through everything, and then consciousness, which is guiding that light that moves through everything and then being able to transfer right with this transference of that energy that love nectar that energy to everything around you so that you are operating in the highest source of integrity and also in the highest source of um, of understanding of what's necessary with that which you've been given so i think that there's a beautiful um beautiful energy there you know and what what panache was talking about which is making, you know, five commitments. When we are creating a commitment, we are putting our full attention behind it. Your essential self, take the time to commit to learn to who you truly are. Taking a commitment to ourself is a commitment that allows us to break down the walls and the barriers of our disillusionment and be able to come into really true, deep, profound understandings without going through all of the pain and suffering to get there. The understanding of the five commitments is to set a commitment that you're 
you're going to follow with full intention. Like what would be your your commitment? You're not going to say things anymore from this I don't know, I don't know, I don't know kind of place. You're going to focus your energy, get your mind into a prism, a powerful source of light and energy to create and to release any energies that are not supportive in highest level of the beingness of all beingness and the totality of life giving sustenance and energy into that space to allow the highest formation of joy, happiness, and freedom be birthed through and brought into the fire of transformation and illumination. Now, the consciousness of reality does hold that spark of that divinity, but it doesn't mean it's exactly as it's written. It means it's opening up a gate within you that allows you to move inward. And how do you get inward? You get inward by making a commitment that you're choosing to go inward. And so every moment you have a chance going in, connecting, communicating with your teachers, your friends, your everything to get the knowledge to complete that which is unknown becoming known. And then you begin to step into an understanding of what that means and truly commit to it. And so the idea of making a new past, present, and future, when you take the time to commit to the new past, present, and future, we begin to change circumstances and energies in ourselves to opening and connecting into deeper formations of energy and to see through the excess energy that we do not need, which is actually causing inflammation, causing blockages, causing all these things. And we just eliminate it and we allow the highest source of energy to move through and clear any energy sources that are not hop- operating at the highest nature. And that means that we get to, as the people, not our governments, not our systems, but we as the people get to make a commitment that we are going to be more responsive to those frequencies. And when they fall out of the alignment of unconditional love for all, we immediately take action and bring it back into that alignment. And I really love what Panache said about commit to inner peace. Without any peace, we are unable to have any sort of joy in life. Joy in life comes from peace. Peace comes from joy in life. They are beautiful energies that are brought together. And the understanding of that frequency is so necessary to open up the core elements that we need to open up, right? so that we can access higher formations of our intelligent system. Do you hear what I'm saying? Our intelligent system to create and to open this gateway to allow all the light to come in without resistance, without fear, without falling asleep, without any of these resistance markers, but to really engage, fulfill, and open That is how we step into a greater place of service, a true place of service. You know, and one of the things that I love that Panache said is message to people struggling right now. I love what he said about that. He said, you you aren't broken. When you say to someone, you aren't broken, things can change for the better because the idea is that they've been beaten down and that kind of behavior comes from fear, lack, and limitation, not from the place I want to spend time with my child and be there and nurture them and love them and honor them and respect them and give so much grace 
taste to them on such a divine level that that energy is now moving through every cell of their being and allowing them to shift consciousness into that which is operating in beautiful formations and opening up those formations to allow the breath of life to come through and realize that the pleasure and the intimacy and the connection is just a part of the ritual of that awakening. And even it's just words or comments. It's the awakening of words. How are the words being utilized? Do the words make you turned on and feel good inside? So that energy is shifting. And so when you see, when Panache is saying about the broken bottle, you don't need to fix, you don't need fixing. At some point, you need to recognize that you were made perfectly by the same divine intelligence. Universe settles in, universe settles in with accepting you are who you are until you fully, actively accept it and believe it in all of your being. And therefore, that allows the energy, the path, the energy, and everything to manifest in the most beautiful way because the essence in the life force and the essence in the life force in opening those energies, clearing those energies, allows you to bring in more. And the more you bring in, the more fulfillment, the more playfulness, the more joy. And so that's why it's so important to realize you were never broken. You were only being refined to be that which you are, which is the most powerful being right now. So you don't need that, right? And he also talked about, like, you know, when we step into a place, we go in by the same divine intelligence determining the moon and the endless possibilities of the universe. And so this energy that we call creation in God is with us all the time, every time. Don't forget it. This power, this energy is allowing us to be able to look at how we've been operating and what type of information we've been given to honor our species. Like my operation, my giving this to species is very clean and simple and it's very simple. And it's simply that to just embrace, you don't have to love, just embrace. And that energy of embracing will allow them poisons and the energies to come out of the system, out of the mouth and throat and clean out the poison. This is powerful and this is needed at the highest level. And so this is very powerful and I'm so happy that I got to be a part of this amazing podcast. I've learned so much from Panash Desai and so much about his teachings, his wisdom, his love, his grace, his beauty, and most importantly, his groundedness and his ability to be here now. That means what? That means he is available. I love you so much, tribe. Love you. Hey, tribe, we're going to take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors who is Lit Verified. I love Ayurveda, tribe. And that is why I love Yuveda. Yuveda offers complete Ayurvedic supplements which support mood, digestion, joint, immunity, and general health. My favorite one is the mood because I'm dealing with so much energy coming from everywhere and it's always nice to keep my mood in the right place. In addition, Yuveda also just launched their new essential oils which I'm super excited about. Yuveda's new roll-on essential oils are perfect for quick relief throughout your day. Available for mood, digestion, immunity, and joints. 
and pairs perfectly with your supplement kit, supporting ideal internal and external balance. Another reason I love Uvita is that their mission revolves around paying their respect to Mother Nature. And through this, they have partnered with One Tree Planted, a nonprofit organization dedicated to reforestation for every supplement kit sold. Uvita will be donating $1. $1 is all you need to plant one tree. Every supplement kit will plant one tree. How awesome is that? And how cool to be giving back. Use code SHAMAN gets you 35% off a one-time order and an additional 5% off of a subscription order. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ancient Wisdom Today, Tribe. I love you all so, 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 so much. And if you want to stay connected, be sure to check me out on IG at Shaman Durek. And if you have any questions whatsoever, please visit shamandurek.com or contact info at shamandurek.com to learn more and remember to stay lit. I love you. Oh.